Hey everyone, this is Dr. Nick Hoffman at the Marist School. Welcome to Tales from the Social Studies Department, the podcast where the students tell you the stories that they wish were on the curriculum. Hello, I'm Marco Meyerhoff. I'm Danny Seymour. And today we are going to be doing a podcast and talking about some of the biggest conspiracies in world football over the last about 20, 25 years. We're going to be focusing on three in particular, one at the 2002 World Cup, one about the 1998 World Cup final, and one about a transfer in 2010 over a Portuguese player to Manchester United. All right, so I'm going to start with talking about the 2002 World Cup, which, um, I mean, it could it's remembered for many things. I mean, one, that it was a very interesting tournament that many underdog teams did well in. Or, yeah, lots of surprises. Yeah, like Senegal, who knocked out the former champions France in 1998. Or it could also be remembered for the... Brazilian attack of Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, and R9, three absolute legends of the game. Yeah, and I mean, they were the eventual champions, but so that's something you can be remembered. But unfortunately, um, one thing it's really remembered for is the amount of corruption that took place in this World Cup, especially regarding um, matches of South Korea and Japan. Um, so this tournament, it was the first one that was hosted by an Asian country, both two hosted. It was co-hosted by South Korea and Japan. And that's kind of where the, I mean, that's where people got a little bit suspicious already was that they weren't really football appreciating nations. Yeah, like FIFA's history of kind of, you know, money grabbing with these events as well. Right, um, and I mean, a lot of time they, you'll, they'll try to have like, a football appreciating nation that hosted like world like the world cup in brazil in 2014 and that's why it's been i mean another somewhat conspiracy recently as well with 2018 being hosted in russia and they do appreciate football not to the extent of other countries but then the upcoming one in qatar in 2022 very controversial as well um it's, you know, during the announcement, people started throwing bundles of cash. Um, yeah, and I mean, not to mention that in South Korea and Japan, there was just a lack of infrastructure and a lack of stadiums that were that were built in preparation. So obviously, this, it was decided they would host it six years before, but then in those six years, they had to build plenty of infrastructure to, like accommodate for the whole tournament, training grounds, yeah. stadiums, yeah, exactly. hotels, etc. I mean, another problem that was ran into was that that since it was co-hosted in South Korea and Japan, um, people would, I mean, obviously fans go to the games, but it was a problem when, let's say, the America's at the tournament, if they, they play one game in South Korea, then if five days later they could play again in Japan. I mean, it's not only a problem for the players having to travel overseas. I mean, they're close, but still, still uh, you overseas know. travel. Yeah. And then, I mean, it's obviously difficult with the fans. Just yeah, expenses, moving back and yeah, forth, no exactly. stability. So. Exactly. But, so regardless, so we're get, I'm going to get into talking about the actual World Cup now. 
And um, so, so both Japan and Korea, if they make it on the group stage, they surprised a lot of people. Both of them topped their groups, actually, which yeah. was... I mean, surprising, but it's not uncommon for host countries to kind of perform better than expected in group yeah. stages, at least. Yeah, that's that's true. But I mean, it, it was it was crazy almost because they weren't known for being very good, and then they both them top the group. But um, so but so. South Korea in their group stage, there were some early signs of corruption. Maybe when they played Portugal, and Portugal received two red cards, which were both a little bit suspicious. I mean, they were maybe warranted from like like if there was one, you could have seen it, but two started to draw people's attention. Yeah, and I mean, any game with two red cards draws people's attention. Yeah, I mean, it was possible that like both of them could be called reds. Maybe it just depends on the day. Yeah, it depends on the referee. Mm-hmm. But um, the round of sixteen is when it was really, it really got interesting. Um, so South Korea faced off against Italy, and this Italy team was filled to the brim with icons of the sport. I mean, Maldini, Nesta, Totti, Buffon, Cannavaro. The guys you hear about from your coaches, Vieri. such as Mike Aiken, just on the yeah. daily. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, so everyone went in this game expecting Italy to win. This game was in South Korea. Um, and so Italy scored early and was 1-0. But from the beginning of the game, it was clear that South Korea knew that, that Italy was a more dominant or better team. So they had their entire game plan just to pretty much hack the crap out of all the Italian players. I mean, and it was, I mean, fouls were called, but no real repercussions. No cards, no warnings. Right, right. No repercussions were really taken. And and so South Korea ended up scoring and making it 1-1. Oh, wow. But, I mean, and Italy did miss a penalty before that. They were given a penalty. But then um, Francesco Totti, one of Italy's best players of all time, he received um, a red card for, I mean, I don't really even know how to explain it. It was, it was a disgrace, really. Um, he, he got pushed over, and the referee said he dove, which is technically, if he thinks he dove, it's a second yellow card. Mm-hmm. And so he he dove and well, no, didn't die. He pretty much. Mm. So he so he was pushed and then like fairly clearly, but the referee gave it as like a simulation of a foul. Yeah. So like, yeah. yeah. Toady was booked, but like, would that have been or should that have been a penalty instead? I mean, no. I mean, it wasn't. It was. It was not a foul. Mm-hmm. But it was like shoulder to shoulder contact, yeah, I mean, like just a fair just, challenge. It was normal. Like he, he, he just went over. to ground. Okay. Yeah, okay. He, he lost the balance. Um. And along with this, Italy, before extra time, they had a goal disallowed for, for I mean, no reason, really. It, it was flagged that it was offside, but he was clearly onside after looking at it later. Um, but South Korea ended up winning an extra time. They had a golden goal rule. If you scored an extra time, you won the game. This was the only tournament they had that rule for. Which doesn't really add to the conspiracy, but it's just interesting. Yeah. I mean, nothing you can really prove about that. But 
the referee of this game, his name was Brian Moreno. He was formerly um, actually banned by the Ecuadorian Football Federation. And this was something common in this tournament. There were referees coming from unknown backgrounds to this tournament, which is... For a World Cup, like, that's pretty yeah, I mean, unusual. It's really like, sketchy, because, I mean, usually for a World Cup, you want most prestigious, experienced refs who won't crack on the biggest stage. Yeah. We've all been there before. But, so... So yeah, it's already a miracle of topping the group stage and beating Italy, and, right. you know, with fairly unheard of refs. So it already doesn't and, look... I mean, they've been getting multiple, multiple calls in this yeah. game, that game. Like, it was, it was pretty blatant, to be honest. But So what he did to get banned by the Ecuadorian Football Federation, there was a game that a team was losing 3-2, and there was supposed to be four minutes of stoppage time. Mm-hmm. He had 15 minutes of stoppage time. The team that was losing 15 three, is more than four. Yeah. So. The team that was losing 3-2 ended up winning 4-3, and... I mean, that's, I mean, if that doesn't say enough about this referee's character, then I don't know what does. <laughs> um, but to, after the game, the, the FIFA announced that they that the referee mistakes were just down to human error, which, I mean, I don't really know if you can... Like, if it's like that many one or two, then sure, human error, but... The amount that it seems more against Italy, like something's got to be up. Yeah, and I mean then so Italians obviously felt they were robbed. And desire of FIFA had a desire to keep the host nation in the tournament, um, because they thought that like promoting football in these non-football countries is more important than having an honest tournament. Yeah, and that's pretty much what the whole conspiracy is. And I mean, Japan lost in the round of 16 to Senegal, who we round mentioned of, earlier. Who was one of the big underdog teams who lost. Round also. of 16. Yeah, round of 16. Then South Korea. Then they played against Spain in the quarterfinals, and they won on penalties. And then Spain in that game had two goals ruled out, which were completely fair goals. Which is just, I mean, it's it's crazy that. Um, like I can't even imagine that if that would happen today. I mean, yeah. It w- I mean, with the VAR in place, you know, hopefully that wouldn't. But like Spain as well at the time, like one of the more you know elite countries I mean, yeah, in the and, world. And really, like, but one of, I mean, but something that's almost a little bit sad about this this World Cup and not really focusing on the conspiracies is that. Italy and Spain, these were, like, some of their golden generation yeah. of players. I mean, it. I mean, just for reference, Italy would end up winning the next World Cup in 2006, and then Spain would win it in 2010. Yeah. Like, these, weren't, I mean, these teams weren't pushovers. They, were, they weren't average. Like, they... No, they were, they were arguably the best national teams in the world at the time, along yeah. with France and Brazil. But, again, the referee of the South Korea-Spain game... Um, Oh, forgive me for this name, but Gamar Al-Gandur, um, a relatively you. unknown Egyptian referee, mm-hmm. I mean, selected for a World Cup quarterfinal, I and mean, it just doesn't, like that, doesn't add that, up. that has to be, like, even if it's just a quarterfinal, like, that's still going to be worth millions of dollars to, you know, the teams and companies um, associated with it, and... Yeah. 
you have to make sure everything is set for that to be the most fair circumstances. So, mm-hmm. and I mean, eventually South Korea would lose in the round of 16 to Germany off of uh, Michael Thalak goal 2 1. All right, wait, hold up. You've said the round of 16 five different oh, times. Oh, that's it. Round, sorry, I meant to say semifinals. Okay. Oh, my, my bad. Um, so, but, I mean, all of this stuff was really controversial, but it took almost like a decade for these allegations to really begin to form. And this was when FIFA Vice President Jack Warner, he was charged with corruption charges by the U.S. Department of Justice in 2018. And, oh, wow. and these corruption charges... One of the things that that they thought he'd done corruption with it linked back to some of the selections of referees made at the 2002 World Cup, which is what we're talking about, obviously. Serious. Um, but after Jack Warner was charged, the referee and it's a little bit random, but the refer, referee Brian Moreno of the Italy South Korea game who had corruption issues prior to refereeing. Obviously, you mentioned he's banned by the Ecuadorian Football Federation. Yeah. Um, he was arrested for drug trafficking, which is just a little bit random. But, but like, this kind of showed like not really any I mean, background checks were given yeah, to the character yeah, of these exactly. refs. So. I mean, it's, it's it has nothing to do with it, but it's just kind of like emphasizing. You, you, don't, you don't see many r- people who rest in a World Cup being arrested for something like that. Usually. Yeah, and well, basically the whole controversy of this was that. Was the goal of this match fixing to generate a large, a larger Asian market in soccer? But in the end, were the mistakes just down to human error, or was it really just because FIFA is just all a money grab? I don't know. That's that's I mean, the question. And I think it, ultimately, if that was FIFA's goal to generate a bigger Asian market, I think it was successful. I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, you look at Asian teams now, like. South Korea and Japan. Yeah, no, they like they have I mean, stars that are I mean, globally I mean, known. Yeah, you, you know, know South Korea, Hyun Min Son, Hwang Hee Chan playing England yeah. right now. And yeah, playing in the top league, best league in the world. I mean, that would that was never the case before in 2002. And same with Japan, they almost made it to the quarterfinals of the last World Cup. Yeah, um, if it wasn't for you know Belgium's comeback. So yeah, and then. Um, so for the next one I'm going to talk about, I'm going to go back four years to the 1998 World Cup, but specifically looking at the final. And so, I mean, you'll probably notice a recurring theme with FIFA that there's a lot of conspiracies, but and there are. Yeah, it's a fairly, um, they're fairly notorious for having a lot of questionable decisions that could right. benefit mostly their own pockets. So Yeah, that's a great way to put it. Okay, so the next conspiracy is Ronaldo, R9, one Damn. of the greatest strikers, or even just players, you can put him in that category, of all time. You know, it, like we talked about in the 2002 yeah, World I mean, Cup, he was one of the stars yeah. four years later. So a, a player that really just captured the minds of everyone during yeah, his time. unbelievable player. But um, so this final was between Brazil and France, and it was essentially headlined... Ronaldo versus Zinedine Zidane. And Zinedine Zidane was France's best player, a Ballon d'Or winner, an icon of the game. The French Micah Aiken. Yeah, I mean... Got that out. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, because Zidane watches Micah highlights. That's, that's, <laughs> that's that was, funny. That's what I said, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
but so I mean really like these two sides you know were star studded but it was the two crown jewels at the time um, yeah both of them like even today are considered in that category of world class oh, yeah but so the night before the final um it's said that Ronaldo Arnon um he um he had body convulsions was shaking uncontrollably and was balled up on the floor which it's likely that that was a seizure no one's sure I mean Ronaldo has come out himself and said that he was unconscious for minutes Roberto Carlos one of his roommates has said that he had never seen anything like it before especially with him and and then even the day of the final it said that he was still rushed to the hospital because he felt very ill and we're not totally sure what happened but it's just that he was in poor condition and it doesn't seem like he would be fit to play in you know right. an upcoming finals so obviously that. he was he's removed from the starting lineup which is understandable nobody really knows what hap- what's happening it's not like there's global news like there was today it's yeah. 1998 so like it's not like you'd open Instagram and see if Ronaldo is set to miss the World Cup final. Yeah, so, so people everyone, were kind of everyone was was really confused when they saw that he wasn't in the starting lineup. But then, weirdly, uh, 40 minutes before the final, he was added to the starting lineup. Oh wow! Yeah, and um, throughout the game, he he looked sluggish in passing. For a player who's kind of known for being electric and just every time he gets the ball, something's happening. Doesn't take it slow, you know, 100% all of the time. Yeah, and basically, Brazil ended up losing 3-0. The whole team just looked a little shook, basically. I mean, they all looked really passive. I mean, even scared. Like, Like their minds were elsewhere. Yeah, it's like... It's like they weren't really focused on what was going on, but they they lost three zero and Zinedine Zidane scored twice. But what 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 really what really the conspiracy is is that so Ronaldo and Brazil were sponsored by Adidas, mm-hmm. and Zidane and France were sponsored sponsored by Nike. And so apparently Nike had a contract with Brazil. And it was sorry, not con- actually it was a contract, but it was a sponsorship yeah. worth eighty million dollars. And apparently, in the contract for that sponsorship, it was listed Ronaldo has to play every game in the two thousand two World Cup. Oh wow! So apparently, what happened? And because how, he he himself was sponsored by yeah Nike. right he yeah was, he was their poster boy. He was mm-hmm. you know was all in, of the cleats everything yeah, he was in like all of their com- com- commercials. Mm-hmm. And so basically, what is said to have happened was that. A member of the Brazilian staff ran in an hour before kickoff and said, Ronaldo has to play or we'll lose this $80 million deal we have with Adidas. And so then he came back from the hospital and played. And that's what's really believed to happen. Um, but, I mean, what, what also happened was like, um, another theory of what could have happened was that the Brazilian team, uh, they they were um, bribed to throw the match away. Mm-hmm. And in return, what would happen would be they would host 
a World Cup within the next 15 years or 20 years, and in the following World Cup, they would get a very easy group. In the 2002 World Cup, they had arguably the easiest group in the tournament. I mean, the, I can't remember the teams off the top of my head, but I mean, they to be they fair, the I mean, it was they did have a star squatted, yeah. star studded roster at that time, but at the the World Cup usually brings the best out of any team, so there's no just kind of push it walk through yeah. matches. Yeah, but so it's also then they hosted the 2014, 2014 World yeah. Cup, and so if this is true, all of that has lined up. Yeah. Just the way it was said. Mm-hmm. And so it's just... I mean, obviously, the World Cup is it's the biggest stage in football in the world. I think but, you can probably say the biggest sporting event oh, in yeah, the world. Oh, yeah, that's true. The biggest sporting event in the world. And But it's also arguably one run, of the biggest marketing yeah, spots. I mean, because you promote something in the World Cup and the whole world is... Yeah, I mean... You, you know, see a commercial about Ronaldo before the game. You see him go score two goals in the game. You're thinking, I want to buy Adidas. Exactly. Like that's that's <laughs> that's what you want. Um, but then you know, notably, like they are this huge sporting event is also run by arguably one of the most, of the corrupt, most corrupt officiating, yeah. um, just organizations ever, which is really interesting. All right, and that's it for me. That's so our, our final, so the final topic I have was. In 2010, um, Sir Alex Ferguson, the Manchester United manager, shocked the world when he bought a Portuguese player named Bebe, who had never been heard of before for a like pretty high transfer fee of 7.4 million. And you know, a lot of people at first are like, "Okay, that's weird," but like we trust Sir Alex Ferguson. I mean, he's known for have right. signing some being, just incredible players. Yeah, and being one of the just best coaches in the world. Right? Yeah, like, sign a relatively unknown Ronaldo, who's now arguably Ronaldo, the best Ronaldo, yeah, Vidic, um, Berbatov, Rio Ferdinand, um, like players that like to this day I remember that's great. So people first were like, okay, maybe this is the next um, next star. Well, you know, later on after Bebe's Manchester United career. Two games played in around four seasons isn't exactly what you would call a star-studded um, career. Yeah, um, or, I mean, you could even just dumb it down a little bit and say... It's just poor. Like, it, it was not a successful transfer. Just, yeah, it didn't work out. But, um, I mean, also, one thing I read about it was that none of the... I don't know if you're about to say this, but one of the scouts... Some of the scouts... They like they'd never seen that they played before. Yeah, that's so. I was about to say, um, like later it was revealed that Sir Alex Ferguson hadn't like looked at this player. He didn't like you know look at games he played in. Didn't know his play style. Probably didn't even know you know what foot he used like or he yeah, was dominant. I mean with. that's just. I mean that's really unusual. Uh, yeah, for you know, I mean, seven point like, four million. I mean, this isn't this isn't like a thirteen year old moving. Soccer club. Like this, is, this is like it's. This is professional. This is like the big business. Yeah, they're like worth millions. Um, and then you know what was interesting is before that, earlier before the transfer in the summer, Manchester United star Nani, who is Portuguese, was um, it uh, playing for the national team when he quote unquote accidentally took a performance enhancing drug um before one oh, of the wow. practices, and then it, so interesting or. 
later on that day, um, he had a doping test due just because, you know, that's, yeah, just, every national yeah, team has to do that to ensure that, you know, it's fair. Well, before Nani would have been subjected to that test and, you know, revealed that he was or he had taken an enhancing drug. And would have gotten suspended for clubs. Yeah, so like he, he would not have been able to play that year for Manchester United. But the um, the Portuguese manager, Carlos Quiroz, um, exempted Nani from training that day due to a shoulder injury, even though none of his teammates said that he did uh, pick up an injury that day. So he like would not have to have taken that doping test. Mm-hmm. And later, when this was revealed, like this would result in Kieran's sacking, so he wouldn't, you know, have been able to manage that team anymore. Which you're wondering, why would he do this? Well, Kieran himself was a former Manchester United assistant manager, so he worked with Ferguson and would have, you know, become friends with him in that time. And then Nani's, or not Nani, um, Kieran's, um. Uh, agent um, Jorge Mendez was also the agent for Bebe as well, so the two right, were connected like, through his like, agent. Like a super agent. Like he, he has a lot of influence on yeah, the, the goings of, of yeah, transfers he's and all that. He's the agent of multiple players and heroes. Yeah, obviously. so so like his kind of network spread like far and wide across the footballing world, um, and so the theory is that. Sir Alex Ferguson and Manchester United like paid such an exaggerated fee to sign Bebe, who I don't know exactly what the clause was, but obviously in his contract, like Bebe and uh, Mendes would have received like a, a portion of that money, which would have then you know been distributed to Kieros as a thank you for making for ensuring that Nani would have been able to play in the you know Red Devils next Premier League and European campaign. Right. Um, which, you know, it is a theory, but like none of this kind of like none of what happened is routine for you know proceedings and transfer history throughout Manchester United and the footballing world. Like, you know, when you spend seven point four million on a player for Manchester United, like that player is going to be like good. They're going to right. I mean, you're you're either can contribute something. Right. I mean, like you're you're expecting them. I mean, not. Not necessarily to go in and start right away. But yeah. Like, you're expecting, I think you're relatively young. Yeah, say. you know, you're thinking this is somebody for the future. Right, it's so, somebody um, that, like, he'll get involved a little you bit. You know, like, he'll play tough matches. Seasons, and... But then in the future, he'll be someone who's a good investment. But then, obviously, Manchester United just never saw him, like. No, the two games, I think, um, Throughout four or five seasons, like and I mean, Manchester United plays in a lot of games and all the competitions they're in. They so it's not they like play every game possible. It's it's not like they um, you know, didn't have any chances to play him. They just didn't feel he was worth their time. Um, and then Kieros himself, like, you know, even if he did feel like he owed something to Sir Alex Ferguson. Putting yourself on the line, you know, in terms of making sure Nani was illegally exempted from a drug test, like, that's pretty risky. And he obviously got fired for that, which cost him a lot of money and a lot of, you know, fame and headlines. So it's not likely he would just do that out of the kindness of his heart. And considering that him and Ferguson had a link and then he had, like, a way to receive money from the actual transfer as well, just, like, makes it fairly plausible that... Bebe's I mean, transfer. Yeah, not just... only that, but I mean, there was probably 
major agent fees in the transfer. Yeah, exactly. That like, so that like maybe like eighty per fifth, like maybe like sixty percent would go to the agent, forty percent would go to the club, mm-hmm. and then that agent, what's his name? Not Kieros. Uh, Jorge Mendez. Oh, Jorge Mendez. Then he could give some of the money to Kieros. Yeah, well. exactly. So, so like, everyone everyone wins pretty much. Everyone wins except unfortunately Bebe because yeah, I mean, his career was kind I mean, of yeah, ended. And um, that's kind of like the the sad part about all these conspiracies. Like it's, it's like, like the bigger like corporations and clubs, you know, making sure that they kind of go behind people's backs to ensure that everything they have is smooth and set out. Right. Where it's at the expense of the smaller players and even just fans in terms yeah, of the World like, Cup. It's just it's um it's crazy to think about because in in the two thousand two World Cup in South Korea, Italy and Spain, two great teams, mm-hmm. robbed of a of an honest chance to win the World Cup. Nineteen ninety eight World Cup final Brazil likely likely robbed of having a chance of winning the World Cup final. Yeah, I, I mean, mean that, it was see, a good French squad. All the, all the, yeah, I mean, it's probably but unlikely to win. 3 0. Brazil, that Brazilian squad would not have lost a, a, a final 3 yeah. 0 if they were all like completely focused. I mean, you on saw them in the, the next hand. World Cup. They won the next yeah, World they, Cup. They, they dominated they, Germany in the final. You I mean, know, they, 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 they shocked the world. Play. I mean, they played brilliantly, so... Yeah, and then, obviously, with this most recent conspiracy, the Bebe transfer, I mean, everyone's so focused on the agents and the money being distributed, they, but you have to also... Everyone seems to forget that... Bebe had a career in front of him. Like, yeah, who, who I mean, knows what he could have actually I done. Mean, like, and he's playing... I mean, he's he's not a, the caliber of a Manchester United player. It's as simple as that. He, he's definitely good enough to play in... You know, Liga Nash, the Portuguese league. I mean, his agent, like, he had a well-known agent, so he could have, you know, made a career, maybe not in one of, like, the, you know, English leagues, but playing in Portugal or or in Netherlands. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like maybe, like, the Spanish second division. Like, he could have, he could have, you know, had a career to, to, like, in the future, but never really got the chance to develop. Yeah, and so that's, all we have to talk about today. Thanks. Thank you. Tales from the Social Studies Department is a podcast of the Marist Podcasting Experiment and executive produced by Dr. Nick Hoffman. All views expressed herein are the views of the podcaster and not of Marist School, Dr. Hoffman, or the Social Studies Department at Marist School. Thank you.